Hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the third episode of the Getting Close with Mike Marabak podcast. I am, as always, podcast. I'd like to start off this week with an apology. What? Why? Why did, Why would you need to say you're sorry? What could you possibly have done? What did you do? Well, I'll tell you. Nothing, really, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to apologize for the length of time it's been between the last podcast with Brendan, which, by the way, got a great uh, reception, so to speak, uh, if you will, as it were. A lot of people came up to me on the street, in the theater, uh, at parties, and said, Hey, Mike, that was, a, that was a really good podcast episode of Getting Close. Not maybe not in those exact words, uh, but variations of those of those words, all with the same sentiment of it was pretty awesome. Uh, so that's really cool that it was awesome, and that people felt compelled to tell me so much. So yeah, uh, it's been a little while since the last one. I don't know why I apologize for it. I never said this would be a weekly show. Uh, that was just something that I kind of strived for. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't apologize. Maybe you guys should get off my back. Huh? I never said this would be a weekly show. Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be getting on your case. I don't know if, if you were waiting, refreshing your iTunes store browser, waiting for it. I don't know. Uh, if you were, I do apologize. If you weren't, then um, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know you. I don't I don't know your life. Jeez. Um... All right. Well, yeah. Another quick story, if I may. Uh, I just saw the Avengers, which, by the way, was fucking great. Uh, <laughs> I apologize for that voice. We're just gonna apologize for the whole podcast. All right, the whole podcast. Let's just go back to episode one. I apologize. I apologize. Mea culpa. There you go. I hate that too, mea culpa, whatever. Um, I went to go see the Avengers in the theater because that's where it's playing, uh, and I got tired of buying the movie theater concessions because I had seen the Hunger Games a few weeks earlier with some friends, with some buds, and I got a small popcorn and a small soda, and it was like fourteen bucks. For a small popcorn and a small soda? Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. The ticket itself was $10. Rip-offs? Do they have any idea what the prices are outside of that theater? Ugh. Seinfeld used to do a bit uh, about what the prices are in airports. Um, like it's treated as its own little country. Do you have any idea what the prices are? Oh, excuse me, wait. Do you have any idea what the prices are outside of the theater? That's like... Brain damage Seinfeld right there. That was a terrible Seinfeld impression. Anyway, uh, so I got tired of buying the movie theater concessions. And I went to a Wawa, a Wawa, and picked up a bottle of Pepsi, which was my first Pepsi in weeks. Actually, that was my first caffeine at all in weeks. But... I, I'm allowed one once in a while. I never said I was going to quit. I was just said I was going to back off it a little bit. So, yeah. Um, lay off. Get off my case. 
Don't rain on my parade. Uh, so I get a Pepsi and I get a pack of Skittles and I got a pack of uh, a bag of hot, what do you call them? Hot cheese curls, which I had had uh, a friend kind of introduced me to. Uh, and they're pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then I wasn't done. I walked a little further up the street, a little further up the road, and I picked up two of the spicy chicken sandwiches, which uh, maybe I'll talk about in another podcast because this is already getting too long for an intro. Um, but at, at, the, at the Burger King, I had written them a letter. Uh, one of my letters, I write letters to companies for those of you who don't know. Long, long, ridiculous letters to companies that usually are based with some kernel of truth. And then I just go on. Now, it's something that could have been summarized in about three lines. But some of these letters, like this one to BK, to the Burger King, is about nine pages long. Something like that. It's very long. It's a long, long, long letter. Um... So I, I pick up those, I got my, my, other, my other things, and I go into the theater with my, my book bag because I had just gotten off work. And I got the stuff in the front pocket. So I'm going into the, the theater, uh, I got my ticket, I'm freaking jazzed about going to see The Avengers on opening day because I got into this habit of waiting for people, of waiting for people to see movies with. Uh, oh, you're going to go see that? Let's go see that. I want to go see that. Yeah, we'll go see it together. Let's coordinate our schedules. And you know what? It never fucking works. It doesn't work. So I got tired of it. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to see the Avengers, and I'm packing a whole bunch of snacks with me, and it's going to be great. So I got them in my front pocket of my book bag, which has two pockets. Uh, it's a two-pocket book bag. You know, it's your regular, uh, your standard two-pocket book bag. And... I go in, I, I pre-fold my ticket because I don't want the stub to get ripped. Of course, uh, I used to save them. I don't anymore. I don't know why I saved them. I don't, I don't get why I did that. But I used to have a big stack of movie stubs. Like one day I'm going to go back and be like, oh, I remember seeing that. And then what else am I going to do? I mean, unless something else happened that day that was significant, which nothing ever did, it wouldn't be attached to anything but that movie. Whatever. I was an idiot. Um, I threw the stub away when I got home, when I emptied my pockets. Okay. Anyway, so I go in, pre-fold, she gives me a perfect tear, and, uh, there's a security guard there. This is 4 p.m. in the afternoon, there's a security guard, and, uh, I, I go to walk past him, he's like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. I need to check your bag. And, right then, uh, I felt like all the air left my body. Like, I was busted. This is it. I'm done. They're going to kick me out of the theater. They're going to confiscate my food. I'm done. I'm not going to see the Avengers. I'm going to have to wait until other people want to see it. Ugh. It was, it was a terrible feeling. Um, so I'm, like, getting defensive. Why Why do you... What, what, do, you, what do you mean you got to check my bag? I, I, don't, I don't have anything. What do you... Uh, why? Um, sir, just take your, take your, take your bag off. Uh, I just need to, need to check it. All right, I'll, I'll check it. So I open up the back. I open up the back pocket, one of the two pockets of the two-pocket book bag. And he looks inside. There's nothing there because, of course, all my food stuffs is in the, uh, the front pocket. And he says, okay, you can go. And whew, big sigh of relief, of course. 
So I, I continue to press my luck and be like, oh, okay, well, uh, what are we checking for today? <laughs> and he says, weapons. Oh, well then, thank you. Of course, after he said that, I wanted to say, well, you didn't check the front pocket um, because I could have a gun in there, but I don't have a gun. I have a treasure trove of contraband. That's what I have. Um, so anyway, I go up to see the Avengers. Uh, uh, it was 4 p.m. in the afternoon. There, It was half-filled. It was opening day. It was a fucking great movie. God, it was good. God, it was so good. It was so good. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I didn't think that a movie could live up to five years of hype, but this movie does exactly that. It lives up to five years and five movies worth of hype. And just, you don't want it to end. It ends, and you're like, no. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you stopping what we were watching? Uh, and, of course, stick around for the credits. Uh, not just the the credits as they roll, but the very, very end of the credits. They do a two-credit thing. Yep, yep just your typical uh, uh, two-special-credit uh, inter-cuts inter, uh, there uh, for you. So, yeah, go see Avengers. If you do anything at all after listening to this podcast, uh, it should be to go see the Avengers. All right, well... Yeah, the podcast. That's right. Uh, I have someone on, and fucking awesome person, too. Uh, This guy was one of my favorite actors growing up. Uh, His name is Keith Coogan. And you may be thinking, who's that? Uh, Which, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, Maybe it's not a household name, but you know what? It fucking should be. Because he was one of my favorites growing up. He was in Adventures in Babysitting. He played Brad Anderson. And he called a lord of hell a big city scum sucker and got a knife to the foot for it. Uh, only required one stitch. One stitch. Uh, but he was also in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Dishes are done, man. Uh, and he was in uh, Hideout and he was in Toy Soldiers, a bunch of guest spots here and there. Uh, we connected through Twitter. Twitter's fucking awesome for that, huh? Connected people. Yeah, so we it took us a little while to line up our schedules. We're both busy people, him much more so than me, I am sure. But then it happened. Our schedules aligned like the great planetary alignment on May 5th, the year 2000. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, I called him up. That's right, it's a call. It's a phone call. Uh, I apologize. Another apology. I'm just dishing them all out here right now. Uh, another apology. I'm sorry that this was a phone call and not a sit-down conversation. Because although the quality on the general podcast that I do and and this recording here isn't quite that great, the quality on the phone call is not good. Uh, There are points where we're talking over each other because there's a slight delay. Plus, it just sounds like it's on a phone. You know what a phone sounds like. So it's using an iPhone app, and it's not great. So you got to listen. All right? You really got to pay attention. Uh, Just listen to it. It's going to be good because he's great. We talk about his upbringing, uh, how he got into uh, acting. We talk about his first acting jobs, different rivals maybe that he had when he was kind of coming up through the Hollywood system. Uh, We talk about the people that he hung out with, 
We talk about what he's doing now, of course. We talk a lot about Adventures in Babysitting, working with Elizabeth Shue, uh, the making of it, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of stuff. Um, and his other movies, and uh, yeah. Oh, God, I fucking loved it. And if you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of child actors, if you're a fan of good conversation, listen as I get close with Keith. Coogan. Mike. Yeah, Keith. Good morning. That's great. Good morning. You're an early riser. Uh, I can be, yes. I, I, uh, I like to get up uh, with the sun sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because I got an email from you. Uh, it must have been about 6 a.m. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, thank early you uh, so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for uh for doing this. It's pretty awesome of you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh thank you for yeah. reaching out and uh asking uh, to speak with little old me. Yeah. Uh, it looks like there's a slight delay in between exchanges here. It's probably due to the uh the recording process. So what I'll do is I'll just um ask a question, leave a breath of air and uh we'll uh I guess proceed that way rather than continually talk over each other because I want to hear everything you've got to say. Okay? Oh, okay. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. And I do ask a lot of questions. Um, I probably get on tangents, uh, so I understand your time is pretty valuable. So if at any time you do need to go, just let me know and uh, we'll... Thousands and right? thousands of dollars an hour. Yes, we will... Uh, <laughs> uh, Shoot, shoot, shoot away. I, I was just reading on the Twitter uh, that uh, I could expect a few adventures of babysitting questions. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you should be uh, ready for that at any time, I would think. I mean, that's probably uh, in the favorites of many, many people, myself included. You get that a lot? Sure. Uh, yeah. That and uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead between the two of those. Oh, of course. There's the odd cousins or hiding out fans, but uh, mostly it's the babysitter yeah. pictures. Okay. Well, let me jump into some of the, the background stuff, because whenever I talk to people, I like to get to know them, uh, because I, I'll tell you the truth. I don't really do any research, because I really like uh, learning as I talk to the person, rather than kind of having everything set up and just allowing the person to go off. Uh, so how did you get into acting? Um, from watching uh, children's television shows, and I was probably about four uh, and five okay. years old. And uh, that and uh, my grandfather was uh, one of the world's first uh, uh, film child stars, uh, Jackie Coogan, and uh, it seemed to have skipped a generation. I wanted to be on Sesame Street. I wanted to be on uh, Electric Company and uh, Romper Room and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and anything where I saw kids yeah. on the TV, I said, that looks like fun. Um, yeah. And my mom promptly uh, uh, got me involved with a talent agent, um, called Red for them in the office, and he immediately started okay. sending me up for uh, commercials and such. Awesome. Uh, now, you said your, your granddad was one of the first film child stars is that, uh, what, was, what, what would he have been in? Uh, he did a, uh, a Charlie Chaplin film uh, called The Kid, 
uh, and it was one of Chaplin's first uh, features. Uh, it's a little over an hour or so. It took a year and a day to make, uh, and was uh, second in box office that year. Uh, was had a phenomenal impact around the world. It was translated. The subtitle cards were translated into uh, a dozens of languages. Uh, built a fan base for my grandfather, who then launched off. Um, my great grandfather helped form a production company. They made a series of films that were close in theme, uh, same costume, same basic, you know, waif of an orphan abandoned and uh, making his way through tough economic times, uh, much like the kid. So Peck's Bad Boys, My Boy, Gaddy, um, Tom Sawyer, uh, he even did in some big budget MGM films, uh, Long Live the um, no, what was it? Um, uh, uh, it was a Little Robinson Crusoe, which was a huge budget production where he's the uh, stranded uh, 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 Occidental gentleman uh, in the native land. Um, pretty uh, big. He had a uh, when he signed with MGM. Uh, there's a, a picture online of him with uh, Louis B. Mayer. Uh, and uh, my grandfather and my—I mean, my great grandfather and my great grandmother—all uh, signing a uh, a bonus just for signing on with the studio. And at that time, it was about 1924, 25, something like that. I can't nail the date exactly. It was a $500,000 signing bonus just for coming over to MGM. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's. That's the I guess the, the old studio system. That's that's kind of weird how things used to be. It was like sports. You could you could trade people. You could loan them out. It was kind of weird back then. Um, so Jackie Coogan, I just did a little IMDb search on there, a little on the fly, and uh, so uh, and he would probably get this a lot. Um, uh, Adam's family, Uncle Fester. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. And now was he yeah. uh, an inspiration? Inspiration to you? Uh, I would think so. Uh, no, but a good uh, person to listen to because he'd had experience in the business and uh, would give guidance on behaving as a kid on the set, uh, keeping an eye on uh, finances, uh, and uh, never really coached me on how to act, per se, but um, just how to be uh, a professional on the set. Because, you know, there's adults on the set, and they're like, ah, what does this kid have to say about it? Okay. So uh, getting into acting, that was all your your idea, huh? Just watching the watching the kids' shows and just wanting to be doing that? Sure felt like it, because uh, I always yeah. had fun doing it, and it seemed like a big playground, um, getting to play make-believe, but with better uh, better sets. Um and all the performance, I loved it. I loved the artifice of it. I loved, um, you know, the, the, the flats and the uh, cables running behind it and the uh, <laughs> uh, technology and the cameras and sound. And I loved all of that stuff uh, that went into making yeah. uh, the product. Okay, awesome. Uh, what uh, was, what were some of your first jobs or maybe some of your early favorite jobs, things that, where you're like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do, and I'm doing it, and it's fucking great. Uh, really, all of uh, you know, all all projects are awesome. Uh, and a series of commercials, I guess, by the time I was uh, striving to be on 
TV shows. After commercials, you then make up the next leap, and you get a few lines on, uh, you know, guest guest spots on television shows. And so that was the next level. Uh, and this was about seventy six, seventy seven, uh, okay. and uh, uh, the national commercials are the big one you want. Um, you know, regional commercials uh, don't pay much and don't have that exposure. But you know, when you want to do it for big products like Texaco and Ford and UMaster Viewer and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, Hot Wheels and stuff like that, and I got a chance to not only play with all the toys before they came yeah. out because they had them on the set, and often take home uh, in prototypes. They're not, you know, what came out later. They're like, here, you want it? You know, okay. I'm going to use it. Cool. Uh, had fun, uh, you know, on with, like, Mr. Whipple or uh, doing commercials with, you know, those kind of, um, those icons that had been in the commercials over and over again. And then, yeah. so you're getting close to, they're, they're of a certain type of celebrity, Mr. Whipple, what's huge? Everybody knows who Mr. Whipple is. Don't speak the German. And uh, Duncan Hines, and, and a lot of these are on um, YouTube right now. Uh, there's a Wrigley Spearmint Gum commercial I did that played well. Worked 15 minutes on it. Um, I'm the Shoeshine Kid. Uh, and uh, it was even the, to save time, it was the director's boot. He just put his boot in, and I'm shining this 15 minutes of work. And uh, it's a me. You make much more money than on, unless you're a big star of a TV series making, you know, hundreds of thousands a week. Uh, you make uh, really good money doing the commercials if you can keep that up and have a good commercial career and uh, bank that. Uh, good start. If people ever ask me how they get in the business, and I'm like, well, you know, what are you in it for? And they're like, oh, art. I'm like, fine, stick to the theater. <laughs> Uh, they're like, oh, I just want to produce stuff and make, you know, stuff from big movies. Think, great, be an actor. Uh, if they just want to make money, I'm like, great, go do commercials. Uh, maybe even voiceover. Right. You'll, you'll, you'll do well on the money. Yeah, I actually uh, just had my voiceover demo done. Uh, uh, I'm in Philadelphia right now, um, which is just, uh, of course, two hours away from New York. Uh, but that's that's what I'm looking at. So hopefully that'll that'll work out. That, um, yeah, but you know, conversely, you could say that New York is uh, two hours away from Philly. <laughs> That's true. There. There's plenty to yeah. do there. You're, you're in Philly. If, yeah. if someone said there wasn't yeah. art in Philly, come on. Uh, yeah. There's great, I know there's plenty uh, going on in Philly. Oh, there's plenty going on. That's a great uh, billboard. There's plenty going on in Philly. <laughs> there is. Are you, are you striving to get to New York, or do you go there often? Oh, I don't get there often enough. Um, but yeah, I just I just had the the demo done, and we'll we'll uh, we'll see how how that goes. I got that in some people's hands, and um, but yeah, hey, this is this is about you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did that. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Okay, so you you got some commercial jobs uh, for for some national commercials. You got some money rolling in. Uh, about how old are you? When you're when you're getting these different jobs, or is this over a span of time? Just a couple of years here. Um, I continued doing commercials uh, all the time from when I was about five or six till I was uh, 16. I think I did my last. You know, maybe it was like a Latigra commercial or a McDonald's commercial or something like that when I was 16. Um, so I did probably about 100 national commercials uh, between those times, and a couple of regional ones. You know. Oh. Uh, jeans outlets that you've never heard about only here in Southern California. 
and uh, and sometimes they'll you know edit and cut you out, or you know you didn't know it, but all of a sudden you're you know more the star of a commercial than you thought. And you know you do a lot of them, so you kind of uh, I don't want to say take it for granted, but you just you know as the more work you get under your belt, you become more familiar working in. Uh, those circumstances. Uh, for kids, oftentimes there'll be an animated character, uh, maybe with a breakfast cereal. I uh, think, you know, Snap, Crackle, Pop, or, or Dig'em Smacks. Uh, and we'll have to <laughs> pretend and animate and look at, you know, our eyes will have to be where they're going to put the uh, animated character later. Uh, and that was kind of cool technically, because you don't, that doesn't happen on TV. It happens rarely in features even. Uh, you know, there's only a few movies where you get to interact with an animated character. I thought it was kind of cool to be able to do that at, you know, seven, eight years old. Okay. Uh, now, when did you start getting into, because I'm looking at the IMDb here, um, trying to find about when, but I could just ask you since you're on the phone, uh, when did you start making the transition into doing television shows? It looks like you did a bunch of uh, episodes of shows. Uh, concurrently, on top of doing the commercials, then you start okay. in little roles in um, stuff like Chips, uh, stuff like uh, the Laverne and Shirley, and uh, yeah. uh, uh, early work. I adjusted um, most of one. Uh, it's a living uh, on the in the Bonaventure Hotel with Ann Gillian. Uh I was just talking about that show to, last night. Uh, I don't remember exactly why it came up, but we were actually just talking about that show last, uh, I don't know, it was a Saturday night, we were talking about It's a Living. That's funny that you were, that, that comes up again, because uh, it may have been 15 years before uh, the last time it came up for me. I was watching Blade Runner last night, and there's a shot <laughs> at the very end, looking up as the doves fly away and they use a kind of a comped version of the uh, Bonaventure Hotel. It made me think of that, too. It's funny. Okay. All right, so you're doing uh, a few TV shows. Oh, so, yeah, here, stuff yeah. like Knight Rider, and uh, you're starting to build relationships with producers that are doing not only TV series, they're also doing movies of the week, they're doing after-school specials. You go into all of those avenues on TV. And in the uh, 70s, and now we're moving into the early 80s as well for me, um, yeah. it was just trying to keep up that five, six jobs a year, uh, doing every once in a while, you know, a movie of the week or something that took a few, uh, several weeks or even a month or two to, to work on, closer to getting to features. And, and at that time, you're also going up for uh, all of the features. Uh, so yeah. just because, you know, the work reflects uh, all the TV there, um, I'm going up for everything you can imagine at the time, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating to come close on stuff uh, or to be down on the wire on something and you just don't get it, uh, but then you do start getting, you know, the projects that are right for you, and Adventures of Babysitting was finally a breakthrough, uh, and I yeah. came close on a couple of those kind of Spielberg-y, you know, like Goonies and Gremlins yeah. and uh, even E.T., uh, I'd come close enough. Uh, never quite getting... Did you audition uh, for those? Yep. Wow. Yep. And uh, okay. finally I had a uh, quite a, a, a supporter in Chris Columbus who thought I was particularly suited for uh, his uh, uh, for Brad Anderson and his adventures in babysitting and it was his directorial debut. Uh, and yeah. it's mighty nice of him to um, 
to lean on uh, Disney and uh, as a strong recommendation for me for the part. There's, you know, tons of kids were at the uh, auditions and, and still down to three or four of us for uh, the screen test. Um, wow. And I'd already lost out roles to some of the other kids, so, you know, I didn't, wasn't a assured thing uh, doing the screen test uh, with all the various different Chris Parkers and uh, all, uh, all the various Daryls, even auditioning for Daryl at one point during the process. Okay. Um, and uh, finally, you know, and it was it. You booked it. Here you go. Here's the schedule and rehearsals and and you're shooting. And it was a whirlwind um, with, you know, real studio money and uh, all the trailers and the the rolling thunder uh, aspect of big pictures and special effects and uh, uh, stunts and, you know, absolute dream come true and a a fun hit uh, and a family favorite. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. We'll use your built-in segue here to uh, continue talking about Adventures in Babysitting uh, because that was, that was, and is, uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. It's in my top five, surrounded by the likes of Lord of the Rings, The Dark Knight. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so what was it, what was it like working on, 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 on the movie? I mean, yeah, of course, you how old are you at the time? I was 16 and I turned 17 uh, uh, on the set uh, and uh, had quite a crush on Elizabeth Shue. Uh, right, not too too. overwhelmed by, you know, the whole process. It was just a little level up from um, uh, stuff I'd worked on. Believe it or not, commercials have quite a bit of equipment and lights and all that good stuff. So it was just, you know, a level up in terms of the number of people working, probably about yeah. 100 people on the set at any given moment. Uh, yeah. And the... Uh, you know, finished result was great, and the promotion was terrific. The studio really got behind it. Um, the, uh, you know, people have a, a great memories of it, at, you know, seeing it in the theaters and having fun watching it uh, that summer. And then subsequently on cable and, uh, you know, video, DVD, all that good stuff. Uh, everyone's yeah. got, uh, seems to have its copy tucked away somewhere, and I, I think that's great. I, I think that it's, you know, it wasn't a huge, it made, certainly did well and made its money for the studio and uh, everybody uh, went on to work. Uh, I mean, Maya Bruton was in Parker Lewis, Cam Luz, and Elizabeth Bichu, yeah. uh, Oscar-nominated work, uh, Anthony Rapp and Rent, mm-hmm. and uh, I just kept doing more babysitting right. pictures. <laughs> you, you kept doing amazing babysitting pictures. Uh, uh, that's not... Yeah, uh, fantastic. So how you had a crush on Elizabeth Shue? How old was she at the time? Twenty-three. Oh, well, yeah, she was, was no. twenty-three. She was playing seventeen, right? Yeah, and I was uh, just uh, hit seventeen, probably playing fifteen because we couldn't uh, drive. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess I look. I mean, kids today are like forty playing uh, teenagers, so I guess we were we were closer in age. Anthony Rapp was. Uh, also, same age, 16 or 17. He's probably a year or two younger than me, maybe more. He's got such a baby face uh, that uh, he still had to do school on the set uh, with Maya Bruton. And uh, I could oh. work as an adult. I had already graduated high school, basically. I wasn't emancipated, but uh, through uh, union laws and whatnot, you can work as an adult uh, if you're 16 uh, and graduated from school. Uh, okay. And uh, so that allowed, you know, a little bit of longer hours to go. Um, we had a double for Sarah, uh, Maya Bruton's part, so that we could, you know, do long shots and shoot off into uh, 2, 3, 4 in the morning if we had to. 
uh, doubles for all of us, but then we would use them more because at midnight we would lose uh, Maya. She just could not work past midnight. She turned into uh, a gremlin, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love her little gizmo backpack she's got on in Adventures uh, of Babysitting yeah. as a nod out to yeah. uh, Chris Columbus's. Yeah. Uh, are there any any kind of fun stories that uh, kind of stick with you throughout the, the shooting process for the movie? Oh, the you know, asking what it's like to be part of that. Um, it's really almost what you see on film. Uh, we're running, we're you know, flying around in uh, tow truck cabs and bouncing around and getting uh, shot at and yelled at and chased, uh, yeah. climbing up and down you know, uh, buildings and, and, uh, and rafters, and it really is, uh, it was the physical kind of adventure you see. We were never in danger or peril, but uh, uh, it had that momentum of uh, moving forward and always being chased and trying to get back home. Um, and, you know, there was a new uh, uh, heavy nod to uh, eventually everything in the, the sitter. Uh, and the sitter even really ripped off a lot of the same beats. We had two. We'd comp them together, but used more sources. Uh, we pulled from a number of things that this feels a little John Hughes, this feels a little you know, Spielberg, uh, for the sitter to lean on the literally the script for Adventures in Babysitting for much of the first part, bits of the second act, and the entire closing, uh, the entire last 10 minutes was literally a page-for-page page beat uh, of Adventures of Babysitting. Maybe it was the remake of Adventures of Babysitting script turned over and sold out to uh, the super bad crowd. I don't know, but it didn't, uh, <laughs> it, it, it didn't have the same kind of uh, fun uh, for the kids. The kids, we all loved each other. Yeah. There was like a relationship. Um, yeah. Uh, you felt that was kind of genuine, uh, and then all these things just kind of happened to us. The sitter was more plot-driven, and the, the car caricatures were more of an afterthought, uh, a template, but it didn't ring uh, ring true. You know, I, I don't think people yeah, could associate with the kids as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was I have a I had some questions uh, from people throughout uh, throughout the internet, throughout Facebook, uh, asking me some questions to ask you, and that was actually one of them. Uh, how do you, what are your thoughts on the sitter? Or why were you not in the sitter? I know. And that I, was the yeah, biggest uh, Travisham mockery right there. Uh, why was Keith Coogan not called in the sitter? I could have uh, yeah. tapped my uh, my trifecta for babysitter pictures right there, but now I have to keep <laughs> striving to find that perfect third babysitter movie. Uh, one day. One day. One day. Maybe, maybe one day. it will. Right at myself, in right your way. Okay. Uh, do you keep in contact still with anyone from the uh, from the movie, from Adventures in Babysitting? There's this internet thing that's really cool. It helps you keep in touch with people. Okay. Uh, and, okay. Uh, lots internet. of love right. to uh, lots of love to Anthony Rapp. He was uh, good. We were uh, good buds on uh, shooting it, and we spent three months uh, on the road together, basically. Um, we had most of our stuff, you know, created a lot of stuff together, too. Uh, Chris Columbus had a, uh, gave us a green light and would say, you know, keep going and have fun here and, you know, uh, improvise or whatever, or maybe we'll uh, directly rip off something, one of the influences. Um, there was Marx Brothers and uh, Preston Sturges, 
uh, and uh, influences that uh, Chris Columbus had asked us to look into and so that we understood the zaniness of it. So it never, eventually yeah. thing never really bogs down too much. Uh, it's just that we go into the inner city and everybody's crazy. They're just literally really nuts. Uh, that's the fun part yeah. of it. So there's, nothing, there's no coke dealers. There's no sinister trying to really kill you. It's insinuated, I'll take care of the babysitter. But, uh, you know, it, it builds a general threat and a fright, but it's not, um, you know, it's not the Saw universe as it is today. It's, it's more fun. It's the kids' escapist fantasy. And don't tell mom the yeah. babysitter's dead, too. A total kids' escapist yeah. fantasy. A summer, no supervision. Oh, my God. Um, and those, uh, you know, there was a moment when we did that, when we left kids alone, and the world changed. Uh, you know, ten years after Don't Come On the Babysitter's Dead, uh, yeah. to get serious with 9-11 and uh, child mm-hmm. abductions and kidnappings. These kids are GPS tagged and watched from the moment they wake up to the moment they get home. Um, yeah. And movies don't have that same kind of let's put the kids in peril. Uh, you know, uh, true lies and hanging Eliza Dushku off the uh, wing of a Harrier jet. Not done a lot today. Uh, Goonies, yeah. right, where, where the parents of the goondocks, were, they were concerned, I'm sure, but these kids were gone uh, all afternoon yeah. and gone. I would have had a, you know, the pack of parents running up and down the street looking for us. Um, what was the one? Oh, Boo in uh, Monsters, Inc. So Boo steps into the closet, goes into the Monsters, Inc. world, spends the night at Sully's, and uh, uh, eventually she gets back to home. But what was her mom thinking? It's like, oh, my God, she's been abducted. Was there like a Casey Anthony thing, a news crew's over there all afternoon doubting yeah. the parents' stories? You know, no, she was in her bedroom. <laughs> she's gone. Like, we have no point of entry, uh, yeah. no motive for anyone to get rid of but you. Where's the body? Where is Boo's body? Meanwhile, Boo is, uh, you know, having fun at, uh, uh, oh, God, what was the, um, what was the stop motion? Harryhausen's. She. Remember they snuck her into her. Yeah. Okay, Argonauts. Yeah, that's a real good point because uh, these days it would be very tough to kind of have that be believed as far as uh, at least the adventures in babysitting thing because uh, the Andersons at their party could have been checking on their iPhone looking in on the house. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, the technology has just uh, grown so much that it would take a lot of the fun. You know, face camp, fine. I understand it accidentally launched. Okay, fine. I understand the kids alone are in trouble. But E.T., they had to go and, you know, retro uh, retcon it and put uh, walkie-talkies in the hands of the FBI agents instead of guns because, uh, you know, times have changed. You can't point uh, guns at kids. You can't put kids in, in peril or jeopardy like you used to. Yeah. Uh, along the, the lines of... Um, uh, in, in the context of some of the great movie lines, Adventures in Babysitting has, has a few that I tend to use all the time. One of them is, uh, nobody leave this place without singing the blues. <laughs> How much, I mean, that, like, like you said, I, I, we see the fun that you guys were having in the movie. I mean, was that scene as much fun as it, as it appeared to be? Because that, that's such a, a great scene. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely as much fun. We just did it uh, over and over and over again. We had three cameras, and the dolly track laid all over the place. And uh, 
just shot the heck out of the crowd. We had about 80 extras. And uh, that's the same nightclub. Uh, it's called Fitzgerald's. It's the same nightclub that uh, Tom Cruise received the Balabushka in Color of Money. Um, okay. It's been in tons of movies, and, you know, they'll put pool tables in it or take them out. Um, uh, it's a very popular location and actually in uh, Chicago. The exterior of yeah. the booze bar scene where we run out is the Silver Dollar Room, and that's also featured in uh, The Big Town uh, with, uh, uh, oh, God. Um, it was uh, it, That's in Toronto, though, uh, The Big Town. Uh, it was another 80s movie. Uh, yeah. So the exterior of the club is in Toronto, but the interior is in Chicago. And there's tons of that in the film. Uh, tons we'll be running. We'll turn yeah. a corner and we'll, we'll we'll jump hundreds of miles. And there's even insert shots and effect shots shot in L.A. Uh, we did about a week uh, right in Hollywood in a small insert stage uh, and did uh, some of those uh, VistaVision. Uh, it's front projection. So they actually project the whole plate on you and a really highly reflective background, uh, it doesn't reflect off of you, the actors, so it creates an instant in-camera moving mat, and you can see it in dailies the next day. You're still shooting on film, but in dailies the next day, you see the complete effect done. Uh, it, uh, and they use it on Stand By Me, uh, and uh, it's also been used, like James Cameron used a version of it for the Aliens movies, um, it's sponge projection, and it's gone. It's technology they just don't use anymore because everything's now uh, green screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I lived in Chicago from 2005 to 2009, so if anything, babysitting, it was already a, a long-time favorite of mine, but it was consistently in my head because I'd, he, I'd always hear about Oak Park or, um, you know, whenever I'd be driving around, I would hear that song in my head that you guys are, Racing back to get home, you know, that's one in five, five miles. <laughs> exactly. And that was a great soundtrack, and it was a really big shame. It was. That the shame was that the because of the number of artists, the, um, uh, what do you want to say, the obscurity almost, because it wasn't a lot of pop music. It wasn't up and coming. And so some of these tracks are, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30 years old. Um very heavy rhythm and blues, soul soundtrack. The problem was in, I think, getting licensing and rights. I don't want to, you know, yeah. put words in the mouths of the producers or Disney uh, or Touchstone, but I don't think they could get, you know, a really good across-the-board common right to release a soundtrack for Adventures of Babysitting. There's one online available. It's completely bootlegged and illegal, but it has a fake Adventures of Babysitting soundtrack cover art and... Uh, all of the tracks uh, that are listed in the credits at the end of Adventure Babysitting brought together as uh, and, and in sequence of uh, how they appear in the film. Wow, that's pretty great. Uh, yeah, I'm not it have a... that anybody goes and looks for that or downloads that, <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't want anything at all like that. But yeah, I mean, even the, the opening to the movie, and then he kissed me, Starts off right there. I mean, what else do we mm-hmm. have here? Uh, expressway to your home, the expressway. And what's that? That's, yep. that's when that's there at the party, right? That's the one guy singing that. The, when you guys oh, are at from, the party and you're just babysitting. Expressway to your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the uh, Southside Johnny and the Jukes. Oh, Gimme Shelter's in there, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
only about a minute of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On on that, we're going. We're heading into Lower Wacker Drive to go pick up the uh, mom's station wagon from Thor. Uh, and as we head yeah. down into Lower Wacker Drive, and they rid- they lit it up all green, made it look extra weird. And uh, even Anthony Rapp is like, "This is weird." And Elizabeth is like, "You're yeah. weird." Yeah. Uh, You're that's weird. when they yeah. use that music, the eerie like guitar intro part yeah. of it. Uh, and yeah. just before the fa- you know uh, Mick Jagger's voice comes online, they they fade it out because it would have cost yeah. more than my and Anthony Rapp's salary put together for the whole film than to get the license to hear Mick Jagger's voice on that track. Jeez, uh, wow! I'm looking at the soundtrack online right now, and it has the Brady Bunch theme. But I actually, I mean, as many times as I've seen that movie. It was, it was, well, wait, I think it was actually it was playing on a TV, right? When you guys were escaping, yes. is that right? Okay. No, he mentions it. Right. Well, well, yes, it, we're escaping out of the chop shop roof, and he mentions yeah. that someone go get the Brady Bunch. And he cut the Brady to uh, <laughs> the bus station, and it's playing on one of those, you know, quarter of five okay. minutes uh, bus station right. TVs. Yeah, all right. Where Brenda's, uh, Brenda's okay. having a nice little side story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you will not believe the night she had. Um, you had you had brought up Thor, uh, and there's a question that comes from Rob. Uh, he's an improviser here in Philly, Rob Banowitz, uh, and his question is, if I can ask, is who makes a better Thor, Vincent D'Onofrio or Chris Hemsworth? Oh, Hemsworth being in Thor in the movie. I, you know, they don't mutually not exist together because of Thor's ability to bend space and time and move from Asgard back to Earth. Of course, you could be messing with uh, Goddard's law and Einstein's relativity, and there could be an age thing. Number one, Helmsworth could be a younger version of uh, D'Onofrio. And obviously, I think D'Onofrio has a bit of gravitas. Hemsworth has a bit of naivete and like, oh, hey, look, I'm, you know, son of God, you know, uh, I'm the mighty god of thunder, and I've kind of got all these cool powers. Cool, let's go surfing. Uh, uh, Vince D'Onofrio has a more of a, you owe me $50 for the window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't get a windshield. And at that point, give me the it's a difference. <laughs> he's, it's, and he's, he's also he's got a heart. Issue he yeah. melts. What a tough guy in the inner city. He melts when a, you know, nine-year-old comes up and it's like, you're, you know, you're, you're just, you're so nice. And you're the mighty God of Thunder. And he's like, yeah. oh, here you go. Here's the car. That would never happen. Yeah. Today he's like, the hat, with that like a half an hour. That'll happen. What's that? <laughs> and and here, here's the hat back because I've already got one. Here's the helmet. Dude, he was great. Um, very method. Vincent D'Onofrio was serious the entire time. Was in character basically, and played it. Uh, you know, he was ambivalent about whether he was really Thor or not. I don't know what his <laughs> choices were in his head. Whether he believed that Dawson of Dawson's Garage was actually the mighty god of thunder, uh, he may have, because that, it, you know, I, I believed it. I, I felt he, we really came across the Duish Machina and the angel device came down <laughs> upon, upon wings and uh, with, with air and steam and <laughs> holding Molinier and uh, helped us out. Yeah. It's great to have him, like, with uh, us on the uh, Smurfit container building. Like, no! Put that child down. I'm Thor. That would be great. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Ray Pruitt, uh, the the tow truck driver? Um, 
John, uh, John Ward Noonan as uh, Hanson's John Pruitt. Uh, whistling, I think, whistling a bit of East of Eden. I'm not sure, but he might have been whistling a bit of the theme. <laughs> then Michael came and ran with and put into the full score. And you hear <laughs> the violins and everything. Um, I love that kind of collaboration in film. You can't plan for something like this. It's got the big JP yeah. in blue running lights on the grill of his Peterbilt. Uh, and he's great. He's... Um, one of those scary-looking guys that's just got, he's once again, yeah. heart of gold. We, all, we meet the hooker with the heart of gold, the blues guy with the heart of gold, the car thief with the heart yeah. of gold, and the tow truck driver yeah. with the heart of gold. And yeah. um, he was, uh, you know, he's a playwright. Uh, a couple of white chicks sitting around talking. Um, he is a celebrated playwright in New York. His brother was uh, the original um, uh, bad guy in uh, Manhunter. He was the original dollar okay. hide. That's John Ford Noonan's brother, Tom Noonan. Yeah. Um, he was uh, great in, what was it called? Um, what was that? The, oh, man, now I'm spacing on it. The one where uh, he goes looking for his real parents and winds up with Lily Tomlin and Richard Jenkins. What movie am I talking about? Um, uh, and all those in it. Uh Ooh. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not you don't being much help here. You, you're not, not in the help there? Okay. Um, Tropic Thunder. Who's the writer, director, Tropic Thunder? That guy. Uh, I'm going to go to the Internet real fast. You're good. Let's see what we got here. Oh, I know what. Uh, ben Stiller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so right go on to Ben Stiller's, and uh, you'll see... Probably one of the best movies Ben Stiller ever did was a film called, let's see if I can find it, it's one of those um, damn names. Little Fuckers? <laughs> no, we're going back. Not Little Fuckers. Not even, it's Before Meet the Parents, Before Something of Mary, I think, where is it? Before, Flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster. So, yeah. It's a David O. Russell picture, and he makes great pictures. Yeah, uh, Ben Stiller, Lanky is adopted. Uh, yeah. He goes on the road trip, and John Ford Noonan uh, plays uh, the friend to David Patrick Kelly, who briefly he thinks David Patrick Kelly may be his father, and uh, John Ford Noonan and David Patrick Kelly are truck drivers. Uh, and uh, it was a nice, uh, nice to see John, uh, John Ford Noonan on screen again in that. And it's a great picture, too. Yeah. I'm gonna, and yeah, it's with yeah, Richard Jenkins on the radar. Oh, and Josh Brolin's in it. I forgot he was even in it. That's so funny. Anyway, genius stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Love me some uh, Pruitt and the hook. Yeah. It always gets set up great, and everybody screams. And yeah. And and, it's, and of course it's funny too because you guys are talking about you know instead of a instead of a hand he has a hook. So it's uh, just set up and then. It's so great. Just a pool of mushy goo. <laughs> Just a pool of mushy goo. Like spaghettios with meat. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, anytime I get spaghettios, I hear that. Like, now I'll say that. Just spaghettios with meat. Ew, gross. Okay. There's, let's see, a couple quick things here from other people before I get into some other things, depending on your time. Uh, okay. Hold on. I don't have, this is from... Ten seconds. Hold on. One second. <laughs> 
from Heather Morazzo, from Heather Carol Morazzo in Philadelphia. I don't have a question. Just uh, this is from Heather Carol Morazzo in Philadelphia. I don't have a question. Just a statement. Just a statement. I love him. With an exclamation point. That's very. uh, That's very nice. I've got uh, nothing to say, but thank you for that. That's great. <laughs> It'd be great if you had a monologue prepared for that exact, that exact yes. instance. Hey, uh, speaking of monologues, you did a, a monologue a day. How long did that go on? Oh, gosh. For took about two years or so just to get about halfway through my goal. I was doing them like every other day. Uh, it started to just get hard to find material, but I've got... 191 or so up there. Very uh, oh. short, uh, pretty accessible, yeah. and very varied from comedy to you know drama and Shakespeare and such. Um, and something I may return to uh, when inspiration strikes. It just got it. It certainly oh. bogged me down. Uh, hard to do. Um, hard to do it every day, even if it's something that you really love to do. It turns into you know real work um, to keep it up. And uh, I took a hiatus, walked away from it, so I can come back at it fresh and try to uh, try to finish. I'd love to finish it out and uh, have, you know, 365 on there. Uh, I hopefully got time, God willing. Uh, what what exactly brought that on? Made you want to uh, to to even do that? Uh, Julia and Julia, Julia and Julia, and uh, <laughs> okay. cooking a Julia recipe a day and. Um, it struck me in the uh, bathtub, as all great ideas do. I said, oh, I'll do a monologue a day. That's it. And uh, rushed out to Samuel French and bought a, uh, you know, male 25 to 40 uh, monologue book. And all in two-minute monologues, so they were all like, you know, two minutes or less. And that's something you can sit down and take a couple hours to learn and then shoot it and then, you know, uh, cut it, pick the take you want, or whatever. You have to uh, shoot it a lot of times. So every video up there, there could be three, five, sometimes ten different takes to try to get that uh, performance or get every word right or as close as I could. Um, it's a very yeah. challenging project, and I, I, I would I dare anybody to do a song a day, a photo a day, uh, whatever it is that they do or like to do. You will learn a lot about yourself, your limitations, you know, uh, what you you know what what works for you what's really easy to do and uh, I read a great yeah. piece of advice the other day it was uh, work on the things that you you know are not good at um, yeah anyway that was uh, that was a way to work on uh, a lot of things that I would never be cast on and I had a chance to you know do a little wardrobe do a little hair light it and shoot it yeah uh, speaking of of being cast uh, a little while back you mentioned that you had gone for things like, like Goonies, uh, E.T. Uh, was there anybody that was consistently getting the parts that you wanted or went for? Like your your your, your child star oh, rival? Sure. Right? There, just like a whole group of people. Oh, always a series of people from Corey Feldman and Jonathan Ward, who was very close on Adventures in Babysitting. I thought Jonathan Ward was going to get it. Uh, to, uh, you know, on the edgier Christian Slater, River Phoenix, you know, so if I wasn't quite edgy enough, I would totally expect Christian Slater to, you know, get it. I would go up for things that were not age appropriate, like Farmer Ted in Sixteen Candles or Say Anything. I may have been sixteen or seventeen, but obviously John Cusack's right for saying anything. So you you know, you never know. Um 
You never know. They go, I got really close on Encino Man. He even did a director's test with Ben Stiller. Well, which, uh, uh, which part? Well, it was for the Sean Astin role, and uh, okay. a friend of mine, Jeff Maynard from um, high school theater that I knew and worked with in the, uh, a uh, theater company, uh, as the Polly Shore role, and Ben Stiller as the caveman. Okay. And we shot, uh, I think it was like 32 setups in 10 hours. Um, and uh, Les Mayfield, the director, uh, the studio wanted to see two scenes up on its feet and see if he could stick to a schedule and get the shots needed so they could throw the money in and make the picture. And none of us signed on to make the movie. We just signed on for a day's work and uh, pounded out this test. And, it, and it's great. I've got a copy of it somewhere on VHS. <laughs> VHS, remember that? Uh, and uh, he got the green light for the movie, and they negotiated uh, for uh, Sean Astin for the lead. And then Pauly Shore took it and make it, made it a, a weasel role, you know, uh, as Pauly Shore is often. He's gonna, yeah, Pauly Shore expect him to be Pauly Shore, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, 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 who was the uh, caveman? Oh, uh, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, Brendan uh, Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Ben Stiller, okay. I have to say, was an amazing caveman. <laughs> really was. He was inspired, uh, very physical, much more primitive, much more jumping around and dangerous. You didn't know if he was going to hurt you or, you know, he was very, much more scared of the fire. And it was uh, yeah. a different, more, I would almost say it was the most method thing I've seen him do beyond, uh, <laughs> what was the midnight, <laughs> what was the midnight movie he did? <laughs> past midnight or something like that. Oh, God. Uh, 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 yeah. Stiller was amazing as a caveman in the Encino Man's uh, director's test, absolutely. What was the other thing he would always do? It was on, I think, his uh, sketch show, Eddie Munster. He would play, like, Eddie Munster. He would Eddie thing, Munster, like Bruce Springsteen. Um, <laughs> he did the Tom Cruise. It was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, the Tom Cruise was the one that made me pay attention to him in the 90s at first. Uh, and I knew I was a friend with Gene uh, Garofalo as well at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and Andy Dick, yeah. and uh, loved the uh, Ben Stiller show. Just loved it. Yeah. Totally ahead of its time. So, But of its time, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we talked about the babysitting. I want to talk briefly about uh, Don't Come On, the Babysitter's Dead. Uh, another babysitter movie. <laughs> how, how did... Uh, how did this one come about? Because I'm looking on the IMDb, and it looks like there was a, a short period of um, uh, maybe a couple episodes of television shows in between those in between those movies. I think I'd done them that, just before. Yeah, I might have done those just before Adventures in Babysitting, and then they came out. Uh, we shot Adventures in Babysitting January, you. February, March, and it was released in, I think, June or July. Quick turnaround. They had about three months turnaround to edit it and uh, get it out in the, in the uh, theaters. Um, okay. So let me just uh, double check. I got to look at my own IMDb to uh, refresh <laughs> the uh, memory. Yeah, we've got. Oh, yeah, I love it when they add new stuff. Um, yeah, I want to say I did the uh, Growing Pains, the Starman. Perhaps. Yeah, those and Silver Spoons. Oh, they don't have the Silver Spoons on here. That'd be nice to get that on there. Um, I was in Rick Rick's band when Rick sang on Silver Spoons. That one's really fun. Uh, 
played piano, played keyboard actually. Yeah. Great theme song too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I when I did show. Adventure of Babysitting, it was kind of don't look back. I know I did a series of um, I did Jump Street uh, and the magical yeah. special. Uh, an, an odd guest appearance here or there uh, moving on, but after that it was pretty much features. And then even, I would even do, uh, you know, B-movies and genre pictures and horror movie, sure. a ski movie, a surf movie. I would rather do those because I always wanted to do, I liked um, how you tell a story in a movie. I just liked it. I liked, and you could curse and, you know, if the project was appropriate, you ran into it more on features. Yeah. Uh, that freedom to tell a story in that way, and I love it. And, I, and now it's changed. Now the work, look at Walking Dead, look at Lost. Uh, now yeah. there's amazing work, very engaging on TV, great dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever needs to make a procedural movie about a cop or a doctor again because we've got hundreds of yeah. hours of thousands of hours of yeah. television covering that and good television, which is sadly yeah. missed. What are you... Uh, of reality shows. Yeah. What are you... Watching right now. Speaking of good television, what are what are some shows that that you uh, kind of have to see? Uh, your uh, I love Modern Family. Um, yeah. There's a uh, a couple of great, um, you know, a couple of great light fluffy sitcoms that I'll put on in the back. Uh, your uh, uh, Happy Endings. Uh, mm-hmm. Your um, uh, what's another one? Every oh, I loved um, American Horror Story. Whew! And I can't wait to okay, read yeah. American Horror Story. I love me. Yeah, Walking that's a creepy Dead. one. Uh, and I do watch. Walking uh, Dead, sure. Yeah, I do watch Survivor and Big Brother and uh, The Apprentice. Okay. And what about uh, I'm a Sucker for Shark Tank? Love me some Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I haven't been watching Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, so good. I love Dexter, and I want Dexter to uh, come back and finish up because I think oh, it'll he be jumped a shark, shark a while ago. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 Dexter yeah. Was, was riveting TV. Loved it. Season four with Trinity was – that was the, the best season that they, they've had, in my opinion. So, so great. But, yeah, I, I'd agree that some th- things have gone away a little bit. Um, but what about uh, Breaking Bad? Have you seen any of that? Oh, that's another uh, favorite of mine. I think that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, and I love that kind of Southwest in the desert. Yeah. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a crazy show. It looks like they've all been baking in the sun too long. Um, <laughs> you know, I love the criminal element of it. I love the, uh, you know, I got cancer, screw it. Uh, and I got to yeah. pay for these treatments. I love all of those elements. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's such a well-acted show. Um that's what, yeah, it, it, it continues to surprise me. It hasn't ran out of gas yet, so keep yeah. going, Breaking Bad. Yeah, and this is the last season coming up. They've announced that this will be the last starting in July, oh. which is, uh, yeah. And it really hasn't. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It has not run out of steam. It's just gotten better and better with each episode, with each season that's, that's gone by. It's so good. I can't wait. Yeah. But... Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Getting back to that real fast. Um, so that had Christina Applegate. What was it yeah. like working with her? She's been around for a while. Uh, this oh, is, great. Uh, She's a, yeah. Good. 
Oh, no, uh, she was a, a friend, uh, had known her and uh, seen her around the, uh, quote, Hollywood scene. Yeah, this is like, you know, 13, 14-year-olds running around drinking soda. Um, and uh, had great respect for Christina. She's, you know, uh, carrying a, another multi-million dollar picture for a studio. In this case, it was Warner Brothers and HBO Pictures. Um, people, you know, do kind of consider it an 80s movie. It still has that 80s. Uh, escape the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't. Uh, I don't think we've moved into reality by just yet. So don't tell mom. Um, was a hoot and a you know as much as Adventure of Babysitting was getting chased around the city, don't tell mom was indeed about you know letting a kitchen rot and shooting dishes off the roof and uh, running havoc around. Uh, it was in Canyon Country uh, in Valencia. Uh, kind of near Magic Mountain in California. It's about 40 minutes north of uh, Hollywood proper. Uh, and uh, we and we shot a bit in L.A., a couple of landmarks, and uh, two locations no longer there. Uh, the Holiday Inn at uh, Hollywood and Highland has been uh, torn down. Uh, there's a new complex there. Uh, and the uh, All-American Burger is now uh, yeah. gone uh, and torn down and rebuilt into another mm -hmm. restaurant. Um, uh, at least the uh, Malibu and the Santa Monica Pier are still there. Whew, thank God. Uh, and it was um, total summer, summer camp, fun. Everybody got the tone of the picture. You know, one of the scariest guys I'd ever known on film, uh, John Getz, was one of the nicest guys. Uh, a new young David Duchovny who hadn't broken with oh, yeah. the Shoe Diaries just yet. Uh, Kimmy yeah. Robertson, who I was hammering for Twin Peaks details, she's like, I can't tell you anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, a great babysitter, uh, Eater Rice Marion, who's gone now. But uh, yeah, uh, and also I, you know, all of the kids, Daniel Harris, Christopher Pettit, uh, and uh, we, of course uh, Christina, um, Joanna Cassidy. Yeah. To further, I had uh, worked with Sean Young on Cousins, and was you know that one person from Blade Runner. Then I got to work with Joanna Cassidy. Boom. Now I have two people from Blade Runner. We're, we're getting close. Got to get me some Harrison Ford in there and uh, I'll be all set. I need a Harrison Ford movie that's also a babysitter picture. That would, that would, that would do it. We'll cover all and of that the would be, that would Tie everything together. And throughout um, uh, on TV, it's funny, I got to work with all of the Heathers, but never Veronica. So I never worked with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I thought that was, uh, uh, yeah, I worked with each of them, worked with uh, Shannon Doherty uh, and uh, the other. What did Heather's. you do with her? Uh, I did a 21 Jump Street. And she, uh, oh, 21 Jump Street, okay, sure. Yeah, she was a druggie selling, I was her brother, and she was selling drugs at school. And I got convinced yeah. by uh, the counselors to turn my family in. And uh, my dad goes to jail, and she goes off to some Christian, uh, you know, uh, Christian, she becomes very born again and, and uh, uh, rails against her old ways and says we must all follow the path and the light. Uh, and uh, uh, that was, I just ruined my life. And so it was a non-Johnny Depp episode. He was in my uh, Baltimore shoot and Crybaby. Uh, and so uh, Dustin Nguyen, uh, it was an Aoki episode. Uh, and I uh, had fun fun time. It was a very, it was one of their youngest directors. I think it was a 20. 21 or 22 year old director at the time we did at Tucker Gates and he's he, he's directed Lost and he's gone on to direct quite a bit too. 
Okay. Neat working with uh, um, young and first-time directors, because oftentimes to get that energy, that young energy, and hit the young audience, they will uh, have to, you know, look for young directors. Uh, yeah, like, sure. Oh, yeah, directed by Alexander Marquand, uh, coming soon. Um, <laughs> hot dog and tea. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and what you know, did you have? No, no, go ahead. I was just curious because you said you worked with a few of the the headers. What have you What have you done with Winona Ryder? Never. See, she she was a Veronica. Veronica I thought she was a Veronica. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Her friend that. Betty Finn. Mm. Uh, and okay, so I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, at least Dan Falk. I did the actual special with, and Kim Walker. I did a feature, a college uh, date rape college campus feature, uh, called A Reason to Believe. Uh, and it's funny when I worked with uh, Kim Walker, I was like, hey. You're my third Heather, but we've lost Kim now to uh, a brain tumor, which is uh, tragic, tragic, tragic. Yeah. Too many yeah. people lost. That's uh, seeing people go like Corey Haim and uh, Brad Renfro and River Phoenix and it's really and Heath Ledger. It's a tragic loss. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough because I mean, I guess you grew up, uh, I guess in a way, friends with these people, but also competing against them for for different roles. Was, was there ever like a speaking of that sort of thing? Was there was there a group of Hollywood kids that you kind of ran around with, uh, like a little uh, not a brat pack, but like uh, you know, is there just a, a group of Hollywood kids that you were just real friends with and you just went around tearing up the town, so to speak? Yeah, through different uh, years, depending on uh, just through uh, growing up in Malibu, I had uh, two of my uh, best friends, uh, Gabe Jarrett from Real Genius. Uh, and Jake Busey, uh, Gary Busey's son, and uh, yeah. both, both we well, we studied karate together. We took acting classes together. Went to school together. Then all separated. We all went to they went to like private schools and stuff. And I continued through uh, public school and went to Santa Monica High School, where I met a whole other crowd of theater actors like Andy Milder from Weeds, um, okay. uh, Matt Walker, who we uh, founded uh, Troubadour Theater Company out in Hillary there at Gary Marshall Falcon Theater, doing uh, Shakespeare and musical mashups. Um, Committee of Del Arte Troupe, that is just an assault on your expectations of what theater. You, your butt will not be squirming wanting to run from the theater because you're bored. Uh, really fun stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can hang with and, and Anthony New, Anthony Rapp New. Like Andy Dick, who was hanging with us at the time too, uh, and then you know, and then I worked with Polly Shore a couple times, and also did press and stuff. Um, yeah, weird. You start to see the same kids at the same functions, the same events. You start making really good friends. Uh, yeah. Being Chris Young from Book of Love, very good friend uh, still to this day. Um, yeah, Corey Feldman, I'd worked with him uh, several times. Uh, we'd been. You know, uh, uh, comparable actors and up for the same thing. So many times he's a little more edgy and dark, and I'm a little more. He's got great comedy chops too, but I'm a little more. Uh, uh, I don't know how do you say it, Brad Anderson. Um, and so we're gonna get you know things. And and uh, it was neat to work with Corey Haim. Uh, finally, do a project with him too. Uh, that's probably the saddest loss because he was a close friend. Um, yeah, and also there was others that I didn't work with, but were in the industry. Maybe kids who um, 
uh, the Zappas, uh, through them I knew like Donovan Leach and would run around with uh, uh, Corey Hain back then at the time. And uh, I don't know, there would be just, you know, various uh, various rings of kids running around. I, I'm Apparently I'm in the Angelina Jolie book uh, known for hanging around uh, Westwood Village in the 80s uh, with... Uh, this gang of kids, and they mentioned me. They're like, oh, yeah, Keith Coogan is staying with them. So I'm like, ah, I remember Angelina. We knew her <laughs> father and, and uh, yeah. uh, you know, a bunch of other kids like Peter Billingsley and stuff. They all worked with her father, and we knew her. One of my friends, Brian Evans, had brought Angelina to the premiere of Book of Love. Um, and so I guess we'd known her since she was 14, 15, 16 years old. Uh, very yeah. uh, serious and, and scary all the time. I wasn't, wasn't always sure if it was an act or not. I couldn't tell. I was like, is she? Eh, she's just putting us on. She's not really that creepy. But maybe she is. Good for her. Um, and, uh, yeah, in Malibu, there'd be, you know, there'd be tons of kids. Uh, uh, um, I also, oh, Scott Grimes. Uh, I remember I broke my nose in the bottom of Scott Grimes' pool. Um, yeah. yeah. Running around. On the bottom of the pool? With the... Huh? On the on the bottom of the pool? Were you diving? Yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, oh. And I was right in the middle of shooting uh, under the boardwalk, and I just had a few days off, mm. and I cracked my face on the bottom of the pool. Ah, uh, Thank God it was just wide shots and a good makeup <laughs> department. <laughs> okay. I got a few other quick things, and I'll I'll uh, let you let you go. You've been Thanks, long long enough, thanks, thanks for all the um, time and the questions. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into, uh, I believe it's the CCOCK, the cock. Yeah. Hey, how, did, how did that come about? And maybe just explain that, exactly what it is for those listeners that may not know. Sure. No, no, no. I was uh, contacted by Bryce Beckham, and he said, uh, hey, would you be interested in uh, doing uh, – this, uh, the child celebrities opposing Kirk Cameron, and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great, because I'd seen uh, Kirk Cameron's comments and uh, heard what he had to say and seen people's reaction uh, the first time, and it had been uh, a few weeks, uh, the issue had died down a bit, and I thought it was my, it was absolutely time for, uh, you know, maybe a funny take on it and a response, uh, you know, maybe to come in defense of people that might have felt persecuted by Kirk. I take the way too seriously. I think everybody else in the project has a great, uh, you know, very healthy, funny point of view on it. I'm like, no, we need to rally in defense, and we're supporters, and you've got equal rights. And I'm, I'm terribly, terribly serious about it. So I said, well, let me do that. On the set, I'll be like the Sean Penn, who you, whenever you see the videos <laughs> of, like, humanitarian aid or whatever, they'll cut to each one yeah. who's all like, you know, hey, this is a serious thing, and then there'll be Sean Penn who looks like, they just woke him up, and he doesn't want to be there. And he's like, you have to help in Haiti because, you know, it's tragic. Yeah. I, I just love his, like, so I'll be like the serious guy. And, you know, uh, and we had, you know, there's a lot more you didn't see. Uh, we, had, we went through tons of having fun and doing improv uh, with it. It was, you know, almost expected. They're like, you know. Uh, we're at Funny or Die, and that was one of the greatest parts of it, too, was to go physically to Funny or Die uh, and to the stages and see how uh, they run things over there, um, kind of what craziness they're up to. Do you remember the dot-coms of the 90s? 
with like the toys around the office and you know the weird kind of yeah. no offices kind of space of like yeah mm-hmm. I, it's still alive at the funny or die stages. <laughs> um, and so we shot them and they cut them together. They you know uh, waited. And they we got a great release on a Thursday morning. They're like the best for clicks comes through, you know, the weekend and all that stuff, uh, and it started to take off, and we had, I didn't have any idea the uh, the traction it would get in the mainstream press, that was one of the surprising things to me, and it got picked up uh, around the world, and uh, yeah. everybody got to kind of know about it, and it started to percolate onto, you know, uh, people's radar, and pe- more people started to watch it, more people said, we got a million views by Saturday night on Funny or yeah. Die, and uh, it got voted up as being funny. Immortal. <laughs> um, and I was very proud of it. Proud of the project, proud of the discussion that happened afterwards. Um, on all the message boards, on all Facebook, every Twitter, all that stuff, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, every uh, everybody from either side of a very polarizing issue uh, came out and said their piece. And I started to see people go, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, no, I understand you too. No, you have a right to feel that. No, yes, we, this is how, you know, the world works, and the church is a part of the world. It's not the world. Okay, I see that. Oh, a pastor's chimed in and helped us out. Bryce Beckham's <laughs> father, I think, is a pastor. Um, that might have something to do with uh, the love that he approached it. No one was mad at anybody. No one wanted to vilify anybody, just um, point out a funny that we thought, you know, might be funny. And Bryce has a great yeah. sense of humor. Um, and all of the, I love seeing the uh, uh, fellow uh, child celebrities. Uh, and yeah. I loved being frozen in time. I thought that was a special surprise. I didn't expect to be frozen. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. That's actually kind of how, not kind of, that's exactly how I got connected to you because it was uh, posted online and then it was um, it in somebody's link on on through my Twitter feed uh, with the the ads, with the usernames I don't know what they're called for Twitter the tweets the Twitter names whatever uh, for a bunch of the people that were in the video uh, and I, I remember when I was watching that and I saw QT and I was like oh my god it's fucking Brad Anderson and uh, I clicked that and I started following you and then you uh, I kind of uh, repeated that uh, to, to much to my surprise. But I said you're the direct message, and <laughs> you quoted. I said, "What were the the odds that you would uh, want to do my my small time podcast?" And you quoted Star yeah. Wars, uh, which is yeah. fantastic. So you're uh, <laughs> a first guy. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, no, no, I was just gonna say you're you're Star oh, Wars Twitter, guy. Uh, you're, uh, I am a Twitter handle. I think is the proper nomenclature you're seeking. Twitter handle. Okay. Uh, Twitter handle. May the fourth be with you. I know it's uh, a few days since, but uh, we just had May the fourth, which was nice. I'm a uh, uh, I'm a Pastafarian. I'm a member of the Flying Spaghetti Monster uh, Church of Flying Spaghetti Monster. I do celebrate talk like a pirate day. Um, I'm a nerd ball. Um, you know, can open up a browser and I've coded my own browser at one point. A weird, uh, arcane knowledge. Uh, that I apply on an avocational manner. Um, and I love the Internet. It's fun. I think that's really leveled the playing field for everybody, uh, even yeah. child celebrities like me, um, you know, to reach out and talk to people. And uh, uh, it's great to hear from fans. And I love uh, I love 
the uh, the brevity of Twitter, and I've done a few uh, interviews and uh, even projects I've been involved in through very brief Twitter, uh, uh, very brief tweet, direct messages. Hey, you want to do this or get involved with this, or would you consider this? And uh, it's always it's, it's always easy to say yes and go sure, why not? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love the democratization of the internet. Yeah, I want to uh, jump back real fast to the the video, uh, the C O C C O K K video, the cop video. Uh, now I remember looking on. Well, I don't remember. I, I say remember as if it's been a while. I just looked on the IMDb again and saw that you did a, a Growing Pains episode, which you also mentioned. Did you were you friendly with Kirk Cameron growing up? Totally. No, yeah. Oh yeah, no, and I've been on uh, the uh, the Growing Pains uh, and the uh, uh, sister. Ooh, look at that! Eric's playing the sister series, the uh, the Just the Ten of Us. I mean, too. I was uh, um, my agent was uh, Harry Gold, uh, Tracy Gold's father, and I've been to tapings of uh, Growing Pains plenty of times. Uh, friends or whatever would be on uh, appearing, and I'd go and sit in the audience and watch. Uh, 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 you know, just watch it as an audience member. Support it. Yeah. Because um, even though you get like crowds of people coming to watch a live taping of a sitcom, yeah, that's at you know seven, eight o'clock at night. Try ten thirty, eleven, eleven thirty at night when they've shot it and they're doing pickups and they're you know doing extra scenes and going into one o'clock. They don't have a crowd, um, so it's nice to go and support the live shows and stay late and uh, you know laugh and clap and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. I just want to ask a few quick questions that people had posted. And these, I don't know that these were asked with any kind of research done by any of the people, so they may be completely false. Uh, this is from Kyle. Uh, doesn't he work at National Lampoons now? Who? Do you work for National Lampoons? You. Do, do I work for National Lampoons? No, yeah. I do not work for National Lampoons. Right. Not in this waking this state. When I do go to sleep, I think I have a dream. I work for either Mad Magazine or National Lampoon, but I can't tell which one is the real life. <laughs> this is the one we already talked about. It's from Kevin, my son Kevin. Why was he not in The Sitter with Jonah Hill? But we talked about, talked about that. Because the movie stunk, I think, is, uh, I think we're, all, we're all better off for you not doing that. We talked about Heather. Um, let's see. Oh, we talked about Rob's question. It was who made the better Thor. Uh, but this is from Matt. This is this is a more serious question here. Uh, the Coogan Act laid the foundation for legal protections for child performers. Do you appreciate those early struggles more as a grandson or as a former child? Oh, uh, proud of uh, proud and proud supporter of the Coogan Act. Uh, as both, uh, and a beneficiary as such. Also a uh, proud supporter of the new Coogan accounts, which are mandatory to uh, hire a minor in uh, California, New York, a couple of other states have applied it. Uh, you have to have a, uh, uh, a closed trust account called a Coogan account set up, and it protects 15% of the child's earnings until they're 18. They actually get an ATM card, and they can already spend their money they, they can already have access to it before they're 18, and so can the parents under certain certain circumstances. They can go, hey, can we use this to you know buy headshots and such? And yeah, they can. 
Um, you just like uh, any actor would have to outlay their own funds to support their career, that could come out of the protected part of the child's earnings. Hopefully, the remaining 85% that goes to taxes, agents, managers, attorneys, stylists, trainers, coaches, uh, hopefully there's a little left to do laundry and put food on the table and drive the kid around and you know help with the bills because it's a pretty full-time job for a parent of a child actor. Um, so I'm really, really glad that there's that physical protection, uh, that uh, the money is the kid's money. I mean, it's just an old California labor law that, hey, any minor working in the household, the funds go to the parents, period. That's the law. So we've got that. They're recognizing this is different than helping on the farm or, you know, helping pan for gold. Uh, this is, you know, a career, and uh, and and oftentimes you need that kind of resource because you might not have had a, an education or had a normal life in the transition to growing up, becoming an adult, uh, without that, you know, that money to do so could be even even more of a struggle. Yeah. Okay. And the call sheets. Uh, I, I see that posted through Twitter once in a while. I haven't gotten around to giving it the time I'd really like to. Um, is there anything you can say about that? Oh, yeah. you got to listen to last week's uh, episode. I had Billy Zapka on. Uh, we did a, uh, a two-part, uh, there's a regular part where we cover all the Karate Kid stuff and all that good stuff. And then there's a second part, a little more of a blue hour. Uh, we have um, an interesting relationship with our advertisers. We can curse, we can talk about any corporation, anything, any movie. We don't have to pander to uh, anyone or change our opinion. It's a return to uh, kind of talk radio, as people may have remembered it from years ago. Um, 14 different shows on the network. I'm the Hollywood entertainment-related show, uh, as told from the perspective of someone who's worked in it and grown up in it and uh, loves it, love the industry, uh, even the you know conflicts and the you know executives and studio heads and agents and all that. I love Nikki Fink's Deadline and TMZ just as much as anybody else, uh, and uh, can't wait to go see the Avengers. Where Thor? Oh, I just I just saw it on Friday. I went by myself. Right after work. That's not really relevant. I don't know why I said that, but it's true. And it was fantastic. Like it, it you'd think it'd be hard, and it, I would think it, it is hard to live up to a movie's um, hype after five years, five movies, worldwide press. But it does. You will not be disappointed. So good. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, plug while you're on? Oh, uh, there is uh, uh, on-demand, um, what's the, um, uh, that site you go to request people uh, uh, for uh, a film I did called Cats Dancing on Jupiter. You can go uh, online and request to see it. What's that? Netflix. No, um, actual screening in your, what is it called? Um, uh, you can request a, a screening, phantom events. Eventful, sorry. Eventful, yeah. okay. So what you do is you go to okay. eventful, and okay. um, let me see if I can find it on here. There it is. Oh, thriller movie. Okay, so it's a movie. You go to eventful.com, E-V-E-N-T-F-U-L. Dot com, okay. 
and you search for Cats Dancing on Jupiter. And it's an Amanda Rigetti film. Uh, you can demand it in your city. Uh, enough people demand it. You can actually see it on a big screen in a 4K print as uh, was envisioned by the director and the creator. Uh, it is absolutely uh, riveting. It's a great thriller, a bit of a mind twist. Um, and it's hot, it's sexy. I'm a scary child molester, abductor, uh, killer. Uh, so you gotta gotta go demand it there. And it'll also be uh, on the after the theater run, which is very limited. But uh, we've got people in Miami, Venice, Italy, Mount Vernon, Washington, Oxnard, California, and LA already wanting to see this picture. Uh, so hopefully everybody there in Philly wants to see it. We'll get a print out there and uh, and yeah. screen it. And then it'll be on be awesome. DVD uh, as well. Yeah, and then we'll fly you out for the uh, for the screening, and we'll have a pretty great time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Keith, thank you so much for uh, for doing this, for yes, doing sir. the Getting Close podcast. Uh, you and your movies have given me personally uh, a lot of a lot of great memories and a lot of lines that I use almost day to day. So thank you again very much for uh, for doing this. I absolutely appreciate it, Mike. Thank you for uh, having me as a guest and all the great questions. Uh, you guys have a great uh, uh, great spring and a great year, and uh, appreciate you helping me plug uh, the radio show and the upcoming show. You got it, Keith. You have a great day. Bye. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that'll do it for my conversation with Mr. Keith Coogan. I want to thank him so much for setting aside the time to do that for me. I, I, I really didn't know how much time he was going to be able to give me or that he'd want to give me, even if he was able to give me more. Uh, I thought I was going to have to front load all my adventures in babysitting questions because those are the ones that I've had in my head for the better part of 20 years. Yeah, so I thought maybe 20 minutes, half hour, but he gave me an hour and a half, and I was able to proceed... I went at it as uh, I would any any other guest, and it, it, it paid off. He hung in there, and I really sincerely appreciate it. It was fantastic. Uh, go on Eventful, request cat da- Cats Dancing on Jupiter, get it to Philly. Uh, if we can, we'll fly Keith out here. Uh, he can answer some more of my Adventures in Babysitting questions. And, yeah, that would be fucking great eventful.com cats dancing on jupiter do it uh, also check out the call sheet check out his monologues on youtube check him out on twitter at keith coogan and yeah again keith thank you so much uh that'll do it for this podcast next week we've got i actually know i actually know who we've got do you believe that uh the first two podcasts i had no idea who the next piece people or person piece uh was going to be uh, but the next time you listen to the Getting Close podcast, it will, in fact, be BJ Ellis of the End Crowd fame. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. He's really excited to do it. I'm very excited to have him. So, yeah, get ready for a little beejer in your life the next time you listen. Uh, for now, thanks for listening, and thanks for getting close. Sir, uh... We didn't mean to interrupt your little concert here. If you don't mind, we'd just like to let ourselves off Nobody the stage. Nobody gets out of this place without singing the blues. What? Nobody leaves this place without singing the blues.
<laughs> you want me to sing? Hi. <clears throat> um, my name's Chris Parker. I live in Oak Park. That's a suburb. They probably figured that out. <laughs> this is Brad, Sarah, and Daryl. And we're in trouble. A no doubt. See me and my boyfriend, Mike. Tonight's our anniversary. But then he went and canceled. And now I'm stuck watching these three. And it's so hard. And it's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the... call from Brenda. I went to pick her up. The tire had a blowout, and my mom's car got shot up. And this guy started to chase us. And we all got hijacked. <laughs> We're cruising down the highway. In this big old Cadillac, and it's so hard. Yeah! Yeah! It's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the baby. Baby, 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 blue. I've got the baby sitting blues. Yeah, all right. Out to get us. And Brenda's probably dead. We ain't got a nickel. And they should be in bed. And you out of luck. Out of luck watching these guys. I've got the baby sitting blues. Some guys out to get her, and the girl's probably dead. She ain't got a nickel. And we should be dead. Are you out of love? Out of love watching these oh, guys. Yeah. That's right. I've got the, got the baby sitting blues. Baby, baby. Baby sitting blues. Kids having some trouble. 